morning, church. How are you? We're, uh, we're glad you're here and welcome. Um, we're, uh, we're in our series tuned in and we're gonna continue it uh, this morning. My name is Brandon, I'm the pastor here. And so I wanna say thanks for being here and worshiping with us. Um, we're also going through this, our red letter challenge. And uh, there are literally hundreds of us that are going through this together. And, and so I just, how's it going by the way? Is, is it good? You doing it? Right? I mean, you bought the book, but uh, you know, are you reading it? Right? Because it's one thing to buy it, and uh, um, I hope you're going through it. I'm, I'm going through it. And in, in, um, uh, this last week, um, this is what one of the days that stood out to me. Uh, it was on uh, this last week was on forgiveness, which, you know, yay. We love we love being told we need to forgive people. Right? It's so so easy. Um, Here's what I read that was sort of like, ooh, okay, okay, Lord, that, that's, that was for me. Um, he says this, it was day, uh, I can't remember, 16, 17, day 17. There's nothing that can be done to us or against us that we cannot forgive. Ooh, right? That's like, yeah, that's true, amen. Oh man, that's true, amen. Right, because what it's saying is, hey, it doesn't matter what someone has done, our, our, our hearts should be in the place where we say, I, I, all right, God has forgiven me. I can forgive that. I can forgive that. It may take time. It doesn't mean forget or pretend it didn't happen, but to forgive, all right. Je- Jesus forgives me. I can do that. It's a challenge, right? I mean, I, I really like this because it's, it's really short, kind of bite-sized, start the day, read a little bit. Like, okay, that's a, all right, I got a, that's a good thought. I was uh, good, I feel like I'm, I can focus on this today. So if you, um, if you haven't started yet, uh, you're a little behind. We're halfway through. So you can catch up. So as of today, we're day 20. So if, uh, if you do need to catch up, or maybe you've just missed a few days, the cool thing is it doesn't take you a long time to, to read them, but um, you can get caught up. As of today, we're on day 20 of 40. So um, uh, this morning, we're talking about, uh, about tuned in, how to hear from God. And last week, one of the things that, that we talked about was that I think a lot of people responded to and wanted more of, or at least like to... Uh, I think some people even were like, "Hey, I want to be able to print that and, and you know and have a notes of it." Was was our our uh, our section on how to listen to a sermon? If you're here for last week, if you remember that part, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to remind you. I'm going to bring it back up, um, and uh, and here it is. It should be on the screen, and 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 we'll walk through this. Okay. So what we talked about was every time, every time you show up for Sunday whether it's this church or another church, this isn't like New Hope specific, like that you can only, by the way, you can only do this at this church. That's not at all the case. So, so this goes with you. Every time you show up on a Sunday, all right, God, speak to me today. Maybe at some point in your routine, maybe when you're getting coffee, it becomes the spot where you're like, all right, speak to me today. Maybe it's worship's done, you sit down. Okay, here we go, Lord, speak to me today. Maybe it's in the first song. You know what? Lord, speak to me right now in this. Speak to me today. And then assume, I want you to assume that God wants to speak to you during every sermon you hear, regardless of who's preaching it, regardless of whether or not it's like, oh, that's my favorite pastor. It's gonna be so good, buckle up. Or it's, oh, him again, right? And maybe maybe some of this morning you're like, him again? (laughs) Uh, I had one guy last service shout out another pastor's name, which... uh, I will talk to him later about that, you know, who he preferred. Um, no, but, but like, listen, 
regardless of who's preaching, whether it's this stage or another stage, or you move, go to another state or another city and there's another, regardless of who's on the stage, all right, God, what do you want to tell me? Through this person who I may never talk to, this may be a one-time thing, what do you want to tell me? I'm assuming you want to speak to me. And then look for one thing, every sermon you're listening to, right? Some of you are note takers, great, and you got a whole thing. The goal isn't that you like get your notes done, although for some that's like a learning thing where you, as you write down, you're, you're like retaining it. Others of us, like me, I'm like, I, notes I just don't do, but I, I'm always thinking about, okay, what's one thing? What's one thing I can hear from this, I can take out that I feel like, oh man, okay, that's, that might be what God is trying to tell me. Just, just, just one. You don't have to remember every point of every sermon. That would be crazy. Can I let you in on a secret? As pastors, we don't remember every point of every one of our sermons. <laughs> but, but I can tell you the theme of them. I can tell you, okay, here's, here's the thing, right? And then whatever that is, to be reminding yourself. That's the homework. All right, when I go to lunch or when I'm with, uh, at home or you're with, you know, if you're with your family and you're listening together or you go to lunch maybe after with other people who go to this church or maybe another church and you just bring up, all right, so what did you hear? What did you learn? What, did you, what, what, what stood out to you, right? And remind yourself each day and then do it again on, on next Sunday. And I, and I promise you, Sundays will become so much more meaningful that it's, all right, I'm, I'm, it isn't just I'm going to church, it's, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to this. All right, God's going to show up again. He's going to show up again. So this, this morning, we're, we're in our series tuned in. Week one, we talked, uh, we talked specifically about the Bible. And we said, if you want to hear from God, you have to read what he wrote, right? Simple, but also like, I got to do it. I have to read what he wrote, right? And if this is too much, like, okay, bite size. If you're just starting out, this is a great. I want to read some scripture. I want to read what, what he wrote. I want to know what the Bible says. And then week two, Pastor Andy uh, said, if I want to hear from God, I need to have a conversation with him. This is a, this is a two-way street here. I'm going to talk to him. And then last week we said, we, we, with regard to like, how do we hear from God from other people was God can speak through anyone, anywhere, anytime. So I better pay attention. God can speak through anyone, anywhere, at any time. It isn't just like on stage on a Sunday morning. There's probably times where maybe you've been in like the, the, you know, the grocery line or shopping or, or where you have an interaction. You're like, oh man, that felt like a God thing. Like that was, that was unbelievable. God can speak through anyone, anywhere, anytime. Today we're gonna look at God speaking through life circumstances. So not just speaking through people, but God speaking through what's going on in your life like the events that are happening, the circumstances you find yourself in. All right, God, what are you doing? So we're gonna answer this question. How do you know what God is doing in your life? Because this one, this one is really subjective. I mean, how do you interpret it? How do you understand events that are happening in your life? And, and like, how, do I, how am I supposed to know like which one is from God, which is just, which is just life? Like, it's just, this is just what happens in the day how do I know that this is from God or not from God or, or I'm supposed to understand this thing? And, and how is it that, that two people can go through the exact same thing but have totally different responses, right? How do I know what God is trying to tell me? As we answer this question, we're gonna go through quite a bit of, of things that I think are, are, are fairly practical, but it starts with this. This is sort of the, the foundation that we can't, even, we can't even talk about God speaking into your life until we all agree and understand this to be true. And here it is. God involves himself in the details of your life. 
If you don't believe that to be true, then, then there's no way you're gonna think that he's actually moving in your life. If you can look at that and say, oh yeah, 100%. Okay, good. That's the starting point. God, is, God involves himself. Not, we're not saying this, that God is involved in the details, like he's a passive player in this. No, no, no. God intentionally involves himself. He chooses to involve himself in the details of your life, whatever age you are. It isn't like, well, now you're an adult. You've made it. Now I can be a part of your life, right? God involves himself. And, and here's, here's uh, this is a, a pretty incredible passage in Acts chapter 17. Luke is the writer of Acts and he, he, he writes this and it's almost like a commentary, but, it's, um, but it, it speaks specifically to this very thing. He says this, from one man, he, God, made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he, God, marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him. And look at this, and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. What Luke is saying is that God is like involved intentionally of where people live and what times, like what ages they're born, like when the, the time frame of their, their birth and, and God is involved in the details of your life. And the reason is because he wants you to find him. He wants you to know him. God is involved in deciding and marked out. He decided so that people would seek him and reach out and, and, and perhaps, just perhaps, they could find him because he's not far from any one of us. We even see this in scripture, that God determines our path, our plans. Proverbs 16, it says this, in his heart, man plans his course, but the Lord determines or decides his steps. Your version may say directs his steps. That all of us, we have plans, right? We make plans, but God actually says, hey, that, that's, a, that's a great plan. I'm actually gonna move you over here. And, and, and you've had this happen. Maybe you don't know it or don't realize it. Um, probably the most recent time where this happened is, uh, is what we call 2020. Do you remember that year? Do you remember some of the things that happened? Right, we all had plans going into the year, best year yet, right? This is gonna be amazing. And then, okay, this changed quick. We have plans, but God, God, he determines our steps. So how do I know then, how do I know what is God and what is just life? How do I know then, this is my plan, but he's actually directing my steps this way. How do I know the this way thing? That's the question we're gonna answer this morning. And, and we're gonna do so um, uh, with a number of, I think, observations we can make here. But the first is this. This is, we, as we move on from like, okay, God's involved in the details of my life. He involves himself. Okay, wonderful. Okay, now what? How do I then begin to understand how God is speaking through my life? Here it is. Hearing from God is discovered by interpretation, not observation. This is important and it's subtle, but we so often do the opposite. We observe something and we think, therefore God must be X, Y, Z. We assign meaning and intent to God because of an event. But, but God doesn't speak through observing events. Hearing from God is discovered by interpretation, 
by interpreting, by understanding what this means. So I read a story this last week of, of Steve Jobs, the, like Apple, Steve Jobs, the guy, right? And that he grew up in church. So he started going to church and was in Sunday school when he was, when he was younger. And, and, and he started his life out probably much like, you know, like you're having your kids start their life out, right? You go to church, go to Sunday school. And then it says that in this story that, that one day he came across uh, an article with, with a photo of, um, of some children in Africa who were starving and being abused. And this messed with him as rightly it should, right? We see that and we see this is not right. And he took this photo to church and he said to the pastor, hey, does God know the future? And I, I think the question was this, does God know how many fingers I'm gonna put up before I put them up, right? Three, two, what? That's not two, that's one. Does he know? And the answer was, yeah, he knows. And then he held up this photo and said, well, then why doesn't he do anything about this? Does he know about this? And the answer he got, we don't know the answer he got, but it wasn't good enough. It was some sort of flippant, just believe kind of answer. And, and it says, from that day on, he swore off church. He said, there is no God. Or he doesn't care. Either way, I'm done. Because what he did was he interpreted the events to mean God either doesn't exist or doesn't care or he's a bad dude. So I'm out. You or I can go to a country like that. I've been to um, some countries, some third world countries on mission trips and, and been around like, I mean, people that like they could be in the photo, right? Pictures like these kids running around with barely any clothes, if any, like no shoes, just like poor as poor you, you can imagine. And I look at that and I, my, my, my initial reaction isn't clearly there's no God. My reaction is I can learn something about joy from these people. <laughs> like like for whatever reason, their smile is larger than mine. It's, it lasts longer than mine. Like, like they have nothing, but they're, they're fine. They're just, they're content. Anything they get is like amazing, incredible. My reaction isn't there's no God. Mine is God is teaching me through them. You see, the, the hearing from God isn't about observing something and then just deciding this is what it means. It's about how do I understand what I'm looking at, what I'm experiencing, what, I'm, what is going on in my life. So we're gonna look at three things, I think, three ways, uh, three filters by which we can interpret events that are going on in our life. The first one is this, and, and it's... Um, uh, it sounds uh, easy and forthright, and it is, but it is not always the easiest. Here it is, ready? God will never contradict himself, ever. Okay, great, now what? No, 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 listen, you need to hear this. God will never contradict himself. So what he wrote in this is true always. God doesn't get to a point where he's like, you know what? A couple hundred years ago, that was true. I've kind of evolved on this issue a little bit. I've grown in my understanding of culture. I'm gonna go ahead and make a change. That never happens. We don't see that. In scripture, we're told that God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever. So God does not contradict himself in this. God cannot deny who he is what he said or what he will do. Second Timothy chapter two, it says this. The saying is trustworthy. Here it is, ready? 
For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. There's a, a, a reciprocation here of, of uh, if I do this, then this will happen. But then it changes. He changes and he says this. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. And here's the reason. For he cannot deny himself. There are some things that God, God set up and it's just who he is, that he's, this is who I am. I can't deny my character, nor can I deny my promises that I've set up. If I've said I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Even if they're faithless, even if they turn away, I'm still gonna be faithful to what I said, no matter what. God cannot ever contradict himself. So here's what this means, ready? For you, if you feel like he's telling you to do something that is contrary to what he's written, he's not the one who's wrong. If you feel like God is telling you to do something that either isn't spelled out in here or is the, the opposite is said in here, he says, don't do this thing. And you're feeling like, I think God wants me to do that thing. The problem is not that God changed his mind. The problem is your understanding, your interpretation of what he's trying to tell you, it's off. And before you think, okay, that seems far-fetched. I don't, you know, how often does this happen? Um, I'm gonna share a, a story about a conversation I had with a lady. I won't share her name, but it's, it's easily um, one of the most memorable conversations that I've had also one of the most difficult, frustrating, and uh, one that I least looked forward to. So I was having a lunch with this lady and, and uh, she says, I'm in college, and she says, um, hey, uh, thanks, for, thanks for meeting with me. Uh, I, think, I think God, I think God wants me and your dad to have a relationship, right? Which... Right? Oh, you guys have relationships. I see all of us, we have, we have relationships in our lives. Like, that's normal. Sure. There's, there's a slight problem, slight, with this one. Both she and my dad were married to other people. <laughs> oh, that's a problem. In fact, she, um, she was a Christian. She was a pastor's wife. She's saying, God is, God, is, uh, God is telling me I'm supposed to leave my husband and your dad's gonna leave your mom and we're gonna have, uh, God wants us to be in a relationship with each other. Expecting my blessing, I, I don't know. We had quite a discussion at that moment. Um, I, I, kind of, I kind of thought this would be coming, so I pulled out my Bible. I said, can we do a quick Bible study here at this we, we should, it was fine, fine dining. It was kind of awkward. It was a really nice restaurant. Um, Carl's Jr., have you guys been to this? <laughs> I mean, some quality, quality burger, right? Where it, I'm there with my famous star and my Bible. And I just walked through and I said, hey, that, I, get, I get how you might feel that way. I mean, with the, the core conviction of who she is, this is what God was telling her. And I said, here's the thing. God's not gonna go against what he wrote, what he said. So can we read some of this? You know, and she kind of, okay. I'm like, oh. Inside, I'm, 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 
I'm both dreading this and looking forward to it. Okay. And we walk through scripture and, and here's the point, ready? God will not tell you something that contradicts this. Now, thankfully, this is the only time in human history that someone has said God wanted them to do something that was counter to scripture. It's never happened since, did you know that? I mean, this happens all the time. You can almost probably think of people right now even who, who, who have told you that God is telling them to do something and you're going, I don't think so. That, uh, how, do I, how do I break this gently or how do I maybe be blunt about this? Uh, yeah. You see, whenever you're going through a, a circumstance and experience, God will never contradict himself. So if what you're feeling is that God is telling you to do something that is clearly outlawed or said, don't do this. Your understanding of what God wants for you is wrong. And I have no problem saying that. If you and I, if someone's frustrated, maybe even after today, and you're like, all right, let's go to, let's go to lunch. I wanna talk to you. Great, I would love to. Because there's never a time there's never a moment, there's never a circumstance, there's never a situation that you could come up with that would say, you know what? God would go against his word. Yeah, in that situation, God would disobey his word. It won't happen. So whatever you're going through has to be filtered through scripture. Has to, has to, has to. Here's a second one. God will often direct you away from your comfort zone. Another great one. Oh. We, you and I, we love comfort. We love, um, uh, we love um, thinking that or, or believing that God always wants us to be comfortable. Like, God, like God's role is to make my life a little bit easier. And the reason is because, um, especially like with material possessions, the reason is because we want that for ourselves and we want that for our loved ones. Like I want my kids to have a better experience than I did. Whatever that means, whatever level that is. Like I want them to have, uh, I want them to be more comfortable, more happy than I was. So we love getting them stuff and making life more comfortable for them. And then we get to the point that, that I, believe, uh, I believe the word is called spoil them, <laughs> right? And, and, and then and what happens is the, the opposite of what we want, that we're actually like not helping, we're hurting by giving them more and more and more and more. God does not always show his favor through comfort, especially material possessions. We see in, in James, James says, all good things are from God. But what we don't see in scripture, what it does not say is that everything good from God is because he's pleased with your behavior. That's not what we say. That, that somehow blessing in your life is like, I'm happy with you because of what you're doing. Instead, what we see is that is this. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 5. He says this. He, God, causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Here's the point he's making. God's blessing, like just in a general sense, goes to everyone. Evil or good, righteous or unrighteous. There's a certain level of, of blessing you get. And this, listen, if we don't understand this, this is dangerous, this idea and some of you grew up with this because I've, I've met with you, we've talked and you've gone through your history and, and like this really hurt you, really messed you up. And maybe even friends of yours who like left church over this very issue. If good things are happening in your life, God's blessing you and he's proud of you. 
if bad things are happening in your life, it's because there's some kind of sin or, or you just lack faith. So here's what you need to do. You need to have more faith. You need to be a better person. Okay, I'll try that. It's not getting better. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to have more faith. Okay, it's not, it's not working. So either there is no God or he doesn't care about me. Do you see how dangerous this could be, right? And the flip side is true, that you think because I have material wealth or I'm, I, I'm blessed in all these areas, God is so happy with me. If that were the case, the most blessed man on earth is a guy named Jeff Bezos. Now, to my knowledge, I don't know that he, I don't think he's a Christ follower, but he's got the most stuff. Is he the most blessed we would say, no, 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 that's not how it works. That, that's right. In fact, when we look at scripture, the opposite is true. Those who are most blessed are those who have the least comfort, who have the most hardship, the most difficulty. Here's what we see. This is God calling, I think. Is he gonna, I think he may be telling us, listen to that man on the stage. Here's, what we, here's the deal. We should never assume that good external blessings are a sign that God is pleased with us. It's really, really, really bad theology. Look at what Paul, look how, how I, I wanna shift to this and I read this last week and I, and I, I guess I, don't, I didn't remember that it was even in the scripture. So like I'm reading this going, wait, is that really there? Look at how Paul viewed open doors for him. And I think this will help us understand how we should view circumstances because it's so countercultural to maybe what we think or what we, what we want to be true. Look at what he says. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He's closing his book. This is how he writes the letters. So like he'll start with a greeting and then the book and then he'll end with like uh, some, some final, hey, some final words. Say hi to this person, greet this person. Here's my plan. I'm gonna go here, then go there. It's very personal. Here's what he says. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you for I'll be going through Macedonia. Hey, I'm, on a, I'm planning on traveling through your neck of the woods, so I'm gonna stop by and say hi. That's in the Greek, that's what it says. Perhaps, he says this, perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. Hey, listen, I plan on spending some time with you and, and we can help each other. I'll help you, you help me and help me kind of send me on my, on my, my way, on my, on my mission. And then he says this, for I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend more time with you if the Lord permits. So he's saying, listen, I don't want to just come by and stop by and say hi. I want to come and I want to stay with you guys. So I'm going to make this plan so that I'm not just like stopping by. I'm going to plan a dedicated amount of time to be with you. Again, he says, if the Lord permits. And then he says this, and this is the part that totally flips it upside down than what we expect. He goes on and says this, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. This is where I'm at. I'm at Ephesus. I'm gonna stay here till Pentecost because here's why. A great door of effective work has opened to me. And here's how I know that this is true. And there are many who oppose me. Wait a minute. That's the, I think that, I think you wrote that wrong. I'm supposed to say things are really easy. <laughs> Paul, he views an open door Listen, this is, this is so crazy and it's so different than what we think. Paul views an open door as increased opposition. He doesn't say, you know what, things are going so smooth here. 
I'm gonna stay for a little while. It's going great. What he says, there seems to be an open door here. God is opening for effective ministry. And here's how I know it to be true. More people are against me. So I'm gonna stay. What? But that's not how God does things. It's supposed to be like, if it's easy, that means God wants me to do it. Paul's understanding was the opposite. What Paul understood wasn't that because everything's falling into place, I should stay. What he understood was I'm, I'm being faced with more opposition, which means I might be doing something right because the enemy doesn't want this to happen. He doesn't want more people to come to know Jesus. So he's gonna be working overtime against me in this place. So there's more, there's increased opposition here. Okay, all right, church, as much as I wanna come to you, Corinth, I need to stay here. God is opening a door. And this, this is how I know, increased discomfort. Ooh, increased discomfort, okay. God will often direct you away from your comfort zone. Now, it's important, these last two are important and, and as important as they are, these last two filters, this next one is perhaps, perhaps the most prevalent in society, the one that, that we have to deal with the most. Here it is, ready? God ultimately wants to make you holy, not happy. Now listen, in culture today, in our society, happiness is everything. My personal happiness trumps everything. In fact, you can't even tell me to not do things because I'm pursuing my own happiness. As long as I'm not hurting anyone else, what does it matter? Every commercial you see is to increase your happiness. Now, listen, happiness is not a bad thing, right? Of course not. I could ask this, uh, raise your hand, anyone if you would like to be more unhappy tomorrow than today. Anyone? Anyone? Anyone you're like, that sounds awesome. I want my kids to be more unhappy. And I want, I just want to be, like, I, just, I just want to be more frustrated in life. No, no, that's silly. All of us want to, in fact, we could say this. Happiness may be the greatest factor in your decision-making, your own personal happiness. That may be the thing that which you decide, am I going to do this or this? All right. This one I like, I'm gonna enjoy. This one I'm not. Well, I'm gonna do that, clearly. I'm gonna enjoy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick happiness over discomfort. Now, there's a lot more we can say about this one and I'm gonna, we're gonna bring up two scriptures here uh, d today. And, and here's the first one. First Peter, he says this. But just as he, God, who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, and then he quotes numbers, be holy because I am holy. Now listen here. God's bar that he set for you is the same bar he set for himself. It's not happiness. It's holiness. He says, listen, you be holy because I'm holy. Right? Just as I'm holy, that's what, that's what you should expect. Now, right out the gate. You hear that. And that's hard. That's hard to, to think I can, I can meet that bar, right? 
In fact, in the Greek, if we look up the Greek word for holy, it's hagios, and the hagios literally means consecrated to God, holy, pure. Okay, we can sum it up as this. Just be perfect. That's it. Be perfect because I'm perfect. I'm God. No big deal, right? You guys can do that. That's the bar I set for you. Right out, again, right out the gate, you see, I'm not ready to pass that test. Don't, I don't, don't give me the quiz. I'm, I can't. I can't. Perfect? Perfection? That's the standard? It isn't like just be better than that guy? Like, I, I can be better than him just a little bit, right? No, the, the standard is perfection? Now, thankfully... Paul gives us an answer, right? Because how could God expect us to live perfectly? How could he expect us to be holy to that extent? We're, really? Really? Here's what Paul says. In Colossians chapter one, he says this. Here's the answer. It's, it's really easy and it's, and it's really, it's so, it's, it, this is good news. But now he, God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you, here it is, holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. The answer is the sacrifice of Jesus. How am I supposed to get to a point where I'm holy? I'm perfect? He says, no, what, listen, here's the thing. You can't, right? Wherever God is, like us, like wherever we are, how am I supposed to bridge that gap? No, 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 listen, this is the standard and I know you can't do it. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna bridge it for you. I'm going to send myself Jesus and I'm gonna die on the cross and then that will, that will pay the way so that you, I will see you as holy because when I see you, I see my son. When I look at you, I look at him. He's taken your place. And then, and then here's what we see. This is a one-time event, but it's also ongoing. It's a, it's a process in what theology, what we call sanctification. This process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Every day, every day for your life, for the rest of your life, God is making you, hopefully, you're, you're, in, you're in step with him and becoming more and more like Jesus until we get to the end and then we get to heaven. And he says, hey, great. Now, guess what? Now you're gonna be made perfect. Now you will be Holy and blameless and pure. Until that day, we struggle, we sin, we have issues. And, and we're thankfully, this is why the good news is such good news. It's because of what Jesus did. It's not because of what you're doing to earn yourself to be holy. It isn't because you're a good person. It's because Jesus was the perfect person. In the same conversation I had with, uh, with this lady, Here's what she said. She, she, uh, she failed two of these three. She said, I think God, I know, God wants me to be happy. And your dad makes me happy. So it sounds like you're, you're gonna be against it, but we're gonna do it anyways. Again, wonderful conversation. I've, I have heard those words and, and I've heard it from uh, other pastors and, and people in ministry. 
to the point where, where even a, a, number, a few guys have even said, I think this is a lie straight from the pit. Like this is one of the worst lies there is. And, and almost to the point where, where if I hear these words, I know, I know whatever I'm gonna hear next is completely wrong is the opposite of what God really wants. When someone, when someone comes to me and says, well, you know, God wants me to be happy. Oh, he does, does he? And so, and it doesn't matter what's next. And so whatever's next, I know, is probably the opposite of what God wants you to do. God wants me to be happy, so I'm gonna leave my spouse and be with them. God wants me to be happy, so I'm gonna leave my family. God wants me to be happy, and so I'm gonna X, Y, Z. Or God wants me to be happy, so I'm gonna do this thing or go this place. Or I'm a, Okay, hold on. When, when did we replace God wanting us to be holy with God just wants you to be happy? As though the only thing he cares about is if you are in a good mood. When I, when I read my scriptures which by the way, are the same as your scriptures. <laughs> what I see in the life of Jesus and his followers is not people pursuing happiness at all costs, at any cost. What I see them doing is saying, I will sacrifice everything for the sake of Jesus. Discomfort, even my own life. I, like Happiness is not a pursuit in here at all. But holiness is. So for you, in your life, whatever's going on in your life, you need to remember to remind myself, yourself, myself, God wants me to be holy, not just happy. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying he wants you to be miserable, right? Please don't show up to church being like, hey, I'm just doing what you said. I hate everyone, hate everything. This is terrible. Everything's, everything's I'm just miserable all the time. So therefore I know I'm following God. I, I don't, I think you're going too far. God, God, God enjoys you being happy. But not at the sacrifice of you being holy. If you being happy means you become less holy, you deny some of this, holiness wins out. So hearing from God is discovered not by observation, remember, by interpretation, by how I understand events and circumstances in my life. So for you, for me, it means I need to be better at understanding and interpreting these events. I need to be like Paul who says, you know, I think maybe God's calling me to this, not because it's easier or because I'm more comfortable, but actually because it's the harder thing. This might be the thing that is like, it's making me more holy. All right. It's not about me being happy. So here's the thing. As you go through your day-to-day, -day, this, is, this is what I, I hope and want you to do. I want you to think about, ask this question. I mean, every day, every single day. If there's one thing you're gonna write down, if you're a note taker, uh, write this down. God, how do you want me to grow from this circumstance? How do you want me to become more like you through this? Whatever it is, 
Whatever the issue is, whatever the circumstance, it's usually negative ones, right? Because the, the good circumstances, it's not like hard to be like, oh yeah, wonderful, this is great. But, but like hardship and difficulty, okay, God, what am I supposed to learn through this? It may be a job loss, it may be health, it may be, uh, it, it may be a relational break or something, it may be, who knows? All right, God, I didn't ask for this, I didn't, I didn't plan this. What am I supposed to learn from this circumstance? How am I supposed to grow? What do you want me to do to become more like Jesus in this thing? Whatever this thing is, this thing changes daily and we can't predict it, right? As evidence, again, by last year, we can't predict what's next. But what we can do is look to, to interpret it and say, God, what are you showing me? How am I supposed to grow in this? I, I'm not worried about everyone else. The, uh, the rest of the world can pursue happiness, but what are you wanting to show me? in this moment. We're gonna, we're gonna end here in, in worship. So would you do this? Would you stand with me as I pray for us? And then, and then we're gonna worship God together. God, how do you want me to grow from this circumstance? Because hearing from God is always discovered by interpretation, not just observation. Would you, would you bow with me? So Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for, thank you that we have the the privilege and the ability to even talk to you right now. And this isn't because we're great. On the contrary, it's because Jesus, you bridged the gap for us. You did all of the work. All we do is submit and say, okay, I'm in. That's all we do. So help us as we live out each and every day, reminding ourselves of this question, God, how are you, what do you wanna grow me? How do you want me to grow in this circumstance. Remind us to always be looking to interpret what's going on around us through the lens of, of scripture, through the lens of maybe more discomfort and through the lens of being holy. Help us to see you better and to know you better. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let's worship.